privilege to come into his house. What a privilege to come into his presence. What a privilege to praise him and exalt him and lift him up. Uh, week by week, we gather into the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Through the week, we worship. Through the week, we sing. Through the week, we praise. Through the week, we serve. But we get this wonderful privilege of gathering with the body of Christ. God is present, and we get to meet with him. It's, it's uh, indescribable what that means. And as we've talked about at the table and in the song, we're only able to come into the Lord's presence because of what Jesus Christ has done. His sacrifice upon the cross for our sins, to pay for our sins, to atone for our sins, to make us clean, is the only reason we're here. The only reason why God is here with us, that we could come into His presence and not die. He's made us the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ is ours. The holiness of God, somehow, in some way, we've been made those people who can enter into the Lord's presence. And so we come and we, we worship and we, we glorify Him. Uh, in the Old Testament, Moses, whenever he met with God, remember in Exodus 33, 34, 35, they're, they're the part of that scripture, he'd meet with God and his face would come back. He'd come back to the, to the camp, his face glowing because somehow becoming, coming into the presence of the Lord, he was changed and he was impacted, he was transformed. And that happens to us as well. You might not perceive it, you might, might not know how or what's happening, but there is something whenever we come into the presence of the Lord in, in worship, we are impacted. But obviously, we come for Him. We're here for Him. He's gathered us. He's brought us here. Um, what are we doing here? And so the last eight weeks, last ten weeks, I can't remember how long, we've been talking about worship and what it means, not only Sunday mornings, but through our lives in our different vocations and our different place of um, work and in the home. And uh, worship is an incredible subject. Uh, we, we, on Sunday mornings, we, we, we have an idea. We, we know what to expect in some ways. What, what are we doing here? What, what, what's, what's the process? People, when they come in the presence of the Lord, they realize that, yeah, I, I'm probably going to bring an offering of some sort. Uh, I'm, I'm going to cheer in some sort. The great king is in our midst. I'm going to make much of him. Uh, we think about the ordinances of the Lord, the commands of the Lord. Uh, when we come into the presence of the Lord, sometimes there's baptisms because Jesus commanded that. Whoever would follow him would be baptized. Uh, there's the Lord's Supper. We realize that he commanded that. Whenever we come into his presence, we want to celebrate and remember what he's done. Uh, the proclamation of God's word, the reading of God's word, it's, it's ever-present in worship uh, of the Lord on the Lord's day. But one of the big questions, uh, I think maybe it's even controversial, Maybe one of the big items of confusion for people is, why do we sing? I'd like to talk today with you and open up the Word today and discuss the singing of the saints to the Lord. Uh, over the years, I, I think I mentioned in a previous sermon how fascinating it's been through the years as, as people have come in and... and uh, we, we sang today, sometimes we've sung many more songs in a service. <laughs> and some people coming from different places and different uh, churches, different backgrounds, they say, man, I, I appreciate you, the way this, the scriptures are, are opened and the, they're talked about it in this church, but why do you sing so much? 
So I'd like to talk about that today. And maybe it's been confusing for you, maybe it's been difficult for you to understand, or maybe you've had a hard time like engaging, or man, let's get the singing over with kind of deal, and you're missing out on, on something that the Lord would like you to do and participate in. But let's, let's uh, run down this path a little bit today. You realize that singing is something that's part of the heavens. Singing is something that's part of the people of God since the beginning, and part of what we're going to experience forever as the Lord's people. Let me run you through some of the Old Testament texts that uh, discuss this and move into the New Testament. If you'd open your Bibles to Job chapter 38, book of Job chapter 38, um, it's uh, uh, so, so many different places. Job is one of the oldest books, we think, one of the first books written, or it describes uh, events that took place very early in, in the history of God's people. But Job 38, verse 4. And uh, if you remember the end of the book of Job, how Job has been questioning God and challenging God to prove what he's done wrong, and, and God comes back and <laughs> kind of gets in his face a little bit and challenges him. Verse 4, where, where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you understand. Who determined its measurements? Uh, surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or where were its bases sunk? Or, lay, or who laid its cornerstones? And talking about the earth as, as, a, as a building project. And then verse 7, uh, where were you when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? And so we were taken back to a place of when the creation, when God spoke the creation, apparently the angels had already been made, the angels, the sons of God had already been made, and, uh, and they sang out to God for what He'd done. They glorified God for, in, in singing, to uh, just the wonder and splendor. There's certain things that singing does that you can't take care of in other places, the emotion, the heart of music and song that comes out. You can just imagine the heavenly choirs. And, and imagine the, these angelic beings, the host of heaven. And we don't know, we, we're not told a whole lot behind the scenes of what's going on there, but they've been singing for eternity in different ways. Imagine when you get to heaven someday, the, the choirs of angels. <laughs> they've had a lot of practice. You know, and all, all the different hymn books that they have, so to speak. All the different praises to God that they have. And here we have a picture of them singing in the beginning. And go back to Exodus 15. Exodus 15, verse, verse 1. <clears throat> I've got a new Bible today, so I don't know if it works the same way, but uh, I'm trying to make the pages turn. Exodus 15. I wore out my other one. It started to fall apart. So Exodus 15, uh, verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang the song, and the setting is the, the Exodus. They're coming out of Egypt, and they've, they've come out, and God has delivered them. And so they sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord, and it goes on from there. And so the, the, the people coming out of Egypt, man, they, they're so excited about what God has done. They're so, so in awe of Him. They, they create a new song, and throughout Scripture we see new songs. And it, it culturally, societies around the world, whenever victories are won, whenever battles are won, they, they write new songs to celebrate. And so we see the people of God coming out of Egypt. Man, we've got to commemorate what God has done. We have to rejoice over what God's done. Look at what He's done. He's thrown the riders, the Egyptians, the, the superpower of the, of the day into the sea. Can God do, 
He can do anything. How great he, you know, you go through the song and it's just this exaltation of God. And singing, there's only some things that, that are, there's some things that are fitting for poetry and, and prose, but there's some things you have to sing it. And so you can imagine hundreds of thousands of people as they learn this song, singing out to God, for He is worthy. Singing's always been part of the people of God. And there's so many fascinating aspects of singing. Uh, maybe you've never... Uh, go, go to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Maybe this, uh, you've never heard of this before, but in, in the Old Testament, in, at the end of the, of the Exodus, and before they came into the Promised Land, uh, God had Moses teach the people of Israel uh, a song. God wanted them to sing. Chapter 31, verse uh, 16. And it starts off kind of of heavy and negative, but listen to this. Uh, Verse 16, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. They will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. God knew the future, and and he even spoke it in Deuteronomy. And through the rest of the Deuteronomic history, we, we see it happen. Then my anger will be kindled, verse 17, against them in that day, and I'll forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured. And many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I'll surely hide my face in that day, because of the evil they have done, because they have turned to other gods, the the spiritual adultery, God judged them for it. But then verse 19, Now therefore, speaking to Moses, write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths, that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give their fathers, and they have eaten and full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. We saw that at the end of Joshua, going into Judges, just how that played out. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will be... Uh, for, it will be, uh, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. For I know that what they are inclined to do, even today, before I have brought them into the land, I swore to them. And then if you look at verse 30, Then Moses spoke the words of this song until they were, fin- until they were finished in the ears of all the assembly of Israel. <laughs> you don't know, you know, that's a huge group of people, so apparently he took it through you know, the groups of 100, groups of 50, he spread it out. And, and then chapter 32 and on, chapter 32, all the way into almost chapter 33, there, there's the song that God taught them to sing, that he wanted them to sing. So singing is very important to God. But you see what's happening there. He, he knows that singing, you remember stuff. Singing, like the, the little jingles you hear as a kid, you can't get them out of your head. The B-I-B-L-E, right? Man, you got little kids, you, ah. Oh. You hear that all the time, and it's a great song, but ah, uh, kind of deal. And, you know, uh, people with dementia or Alzheimer's patients, they might not recognize their family members' faces or their names, but you start playing a song, and they can sing it, oftentimes. So singing, God knows that singing is important, that, that singing matters. He wants us to sing because of all the benefits of singing. Uh, the, 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 the psalm that uh, Pete read at the, at the Lord's table today, Psalm 100. Turn there with me, please. Uh, it's, it's a great psalm in many ways, but let's listen to it. Uh, and, and, but there's a history here. Uh, this is one of the first uh, psalms that were translated. Uh, the, the first time this was sung in English was about, um, it was like 1550. 
It was called the Old Hundredth. Even in our hymn books today, we have the Old Hundredth. There, there's other names and titles for it. But this, has been, this is an ancient song that was sung. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. You know, from the beginning, uh, the, the Israelites, they sang and they sang. And why did they sing? Remember what worship is about? Worship is responding to who God is and what he's done. And so throughout the scriptures, we see what God has done. Man, he's worthy of our worship. Look at, look at who he is. He's worthy of songs. Every, every, everything that God has done is worthy of a song. It's worthy of our praise. It's worthy of our, of our glorification of God. So, so Israel, you know, they, they wrote this book. They have 150 psalms, songs that were meant to be sung in different occasions in different places. And these are the cream of the crop. These are the inspired psalms, right? But how, how many thousands of other songs did Israel write through the centuries? How many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of songs did they put together over history? Wow, they were a singing people, and, and we're a singing people. It's in our blood to sing. Why do we sing? It's, it's part and parcel of our faith. God, and, and, and here, here's a wild thing, even God sings. Uh, there's not too many references, but if you look at Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter 3, first one that gets there, raise your hand. <laughs> yes, you know, I got beat. I got beat. Zephaniah chapter 3. Um, Rose, would you take them up to verse 14, please? Chapter 3 of Zephaniah, chapter, chapter, verse 14. Uh, this is a prophetic uh, word to the people of Israel. They're, they're being judged for their spiritual adulteries again, their, their sins, but God has a future in store for them. And so he says to them, Zephaniah the prophet says, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day, the day of the Lord, he's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about the coming of Christ here. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let your hands not grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Now what, a, what a picture that is of a, of a heavenly father, a father that loves his people so much that he would die for them. And, and he gathers over them, and, and as you've sung to your children, perhaps at bedtime, or you've sung to your children in certain settings, just the, the father, the, heaven, the Lord of heaven and earth, he takes his people whom he's redeemed, who he loves with all his heart, who, who he cares for deeply, and he sings over them. What a picture of love. What a picture of joy. And again, singing, all that, that communicates, all the emotions, all, all the power of, of our feelings and our thoughts, singing over his people. Uh, singing is an incredible thing that, that happens uh, throughout the scriptures. If you look back to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, um, uh, we, we see all these, uh, uh, these, these moments in history that are so important and so big in the First and Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter five, the, uh, the finally the the temple is uh, uh, the, the the David planned for that David dreamed about his son Solomon finally built it and the ark comes to the temple. But if you look at chapter five, verse eleven, one of the things that King David planned for in, in for Israel was choirs of singers, uh, 
And so we see when, when the morning and evening sacrifices took place, the, is the people gathered in the, in the courtyard of the temple, there would be these choirs of singers that, that gathered um, and, and music was played. But here, the, in the great celebration, the temple's completed, the ark has been brought. In verse 11, when the priest came out of the holy place, for all the police, uh, priests who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions. And all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Haman, uh, Jeduthah, their sons and kinsmen, arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. Uh, so the, the choir and, and, the, and the orchestra are together at that holy moment. And it was a duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison, in praise and thanksgiving. So they worked hard to make it an excellent, excellent, excellent song. You know, they, they practiced much. So it's fascinating that the choirs with professional song leaders in, involved. It's that's some of the origins of what we do today. And it was, it was the duty of these people to make themselves heard in unison. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments, in praise to the Lord. And this chorus, we've sung it before. For He is good, and His steadfast love endures forever. He is good, and His steadfast love endures forever. The people of God have been singing that forever. He's good, and His steadfast, His faithful love, His loyal love has been enduring forever. We've experienced it 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, the people of God experienced it. Something that goes on and on. Then the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house. And it's almost as if in response to singing, God comes. In response to singing, the glory of God falls upon the people. And they, they couldn't even, uh, it says a different place, um, they, they could hardly, well it says there, could not stand to minister because of the cloud. They, they couldn't enter the place because the glory of God, the Shekinah was so thick as it were. So singing is this, this interaction, but it, it's, it's glorifying God and honoring Him. We, we, we sing because He's worthy. We sing because what else could we do <laughs> that's, that's worthy? Our emotions, our feelings, our expressions of our heart. He's so good and He's so great and He's so, he's so wonderful. All the things He's accomplished, He's worthy of every song we could ever sing, every song we could ever write. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. We come to his presence. And, and then, then, you know, and we think about the, the angelic choirs. Remember when, when Jesus was, was born and the, the choir went and met the shepherds in the field, you know. And just imagine the darkness just lit up by the angelic glory as they're, they're praising God and exalting God. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks as we move towards the celebration of the birth. But wonderful things. And then you get to the New Testament and we wonder about Jesus, his upbringing, his background, what, what he did, and what did, what did he sing? You know, like, I'm not sure when I come to church, is this singing? Is it, is it biblical? Is it, is it part of what we do? And certainly it is. Um, just a little snippet, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, verse 26. Mark chapter 14, verse 26. And uh, this is, of course, uh, the night that Jesus was betrayed uh, they went to the Mount of Olives after the Lord's Supper. Uh, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount, Mount of Olives. Now, uh, the Lord's Supper was prior to that, and, and traditionally, the, what we call the Seder meal, the, 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 the Passover meal that the Jewish people celebrated, they, they would sing hymns. Um, I think Psalm 103, Psalm 104, Psalm 108 were part, part of their meal, and so Jesus you, if they followed tradition in, in his last supper, they were singing songs to God, hymns to God, praises to God. 
as had the Jewish people uh, throughout the centuries. You know, Jesus, the Jewish man, he followed the custom of his, of his people. And, and, and as he went to festivals, as he went to feasts at the temple, as he celebrated with his people, they, they were singing wherever they went. They were singing all the time when, when they came into the Lord's presence. And so just, just know this, normal, it's, it's right. This is what the people of God has always done. It's, it's always been a big part of our celebration and our worship of God. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's different reasons to sing. If you look at Acts, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Uh, go to verse 22, please. Acts chapter 16, verse 22. Uh, sometimes we sing in the midst of our sorrow and our tears and our brokenness, even in the presence of the Lord. Here, a uh, uh, couple of servants of the Lord, Paul and Silas, uh, they, they get persecuted because they're preaching the gospel. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, having the jailer, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in inner prison and fastened them their, their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. What a moment of, of contrast, the, the, the wildness of that. They're, they're heading for their death and they're singing, singing songs to God and all the, listening, all the, all the people listening there, what, what are they hearing? They're, they're hearing the gospel. They're hearing words of life. They're hearing words of truth. They're hearing scripture sung. And, and what a moment to, to uh, praise the Lord and, and worship the Lord. But singing, it takes place in so many different contexts. And certainly gathering here together today Singing should be a part of our, our response to God and our love for God and our praise to God. Uh, we, we often talk, there's, there's many songs out there about, man, I can't wait to get to heaven where I'm going to sing, right? And some people are like, oh, man, we're going to sing in heaven. Like, and sometimes it sounds like we're going to sing all the time. Like, that's all you're going to do. And some people are like, oh, man. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot more that we do besides and beyond singing, but singing, I think, will be a part of it. If you look at Revelation chapter 5, Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, please. Revelation chapter 5, oh, I'm going to go to verse 8, I'm sorry, verse 8. Chapter 5, verse 8. And when he... That's Jesus had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, and you got your imagination, your mind has to go here. Like imagine a heavenly scene that we've never seen before, <laughs> but imagine what's happening there and all the, the splendor and glory and, and, and wonder there. When, when he had taken the scroll, Apostle John is seeing a vision here, taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So, so there's some picturesque language here and some... some images in our minds, but they sang a new song. Remember, new songs, celebrating what God has done, celebrating victories, celebrating things, commemorating things. And so even in heaven, they sing these songs of what has, has been taken place. And, and they said, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain. By your blood, you ransomed the people, people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And imagine this, this, the, the angels who saw this, and, and they know what holiness is. Sometimes we don't know what holiness is, but they're in the presence of God. And they know what it took for Jesus to come to earth, to condescend, to take on flesh. And they're like in awe. And they're singing. I imagine if they have hearts, they're singing with all their hearts. 
the angelic beings, and they're glorifying God in song, and, and we should too. So the, from the beginning to end, God's people have sung from, from the beginning of time to our end and, and into eternity, this age and the next age. We're, we're meant to be a singing people. Uh, we're going to join, and, and part of our singing here even today is joining in with the heavenly chorus. We're, we're part of something greater. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses of the saints that have gone before and who are in the presence of Jesus. And, and we tie into what they're doing. And imagine that right now around the world, hundreds of thousands and millions of congregations, maybe 10 hours ago they sang and they sang. And 10 hours from now they're going to sing and they're going to sing. There's like this mighty melody rising up to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it doesn't stop. It, doesn't, it stops on the earth sometimes. But in heaven, it keeps going and going. And, and we're echoing and we're resounding with them. And we're, we're glorifying God because He is worthy of all of our songs, of our very life. But man, our heart and our, our emotions and our feelings, they come out in songs. And, and He's worthy. He's worthy. What, one of the shocking things, perhaps, however, and, and difficult, maybe, maybe you haven't processed is this, uh, maybe you have, but um, some people really ha- it hasn't clicked. Uh, God wants you to sing. God wants you to sing. You're like, uh, He wants my voice? He does. There's not a whole lot of uh, examples, and uh, almost none, examples of worship services in the New Testament. There's some descriptions in 1 Corinthians 14. And there's almost uh, uh, no uh, long explanations of, of how worship service could take place, uh, but we, ha- we have snippets here and there of, of how these things come together. If you open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, when the saints gather, what, what happens? And uh, uh, I think you'll see here that he, uh, part of what happens, uh, should happen, is, is singing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, that God wants you to Lend your voice, lift up your voice to the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, and this is the chapter 3 of Colossians. It's a great discipleship pat- chapter. It's like, now that you've come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now that you've been born again, you know, take off the old clothes of unrighteousness. Get rid of the old patterns and, and put on new clothes, as it were. Put on new patterns of living and this, this verse 16 is part of this explanation. Uh, let the word of Christ, the scriptures, let the scriptures dwell in you richly. Well, let the scriptures dwell in you richly. That's part and parcel of our discipleship. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Uh, there's, there's a lot there to unpack, uh, unpack and explain. But notice, notice where our songs are directed. Um, it says to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. Um, psalms are, we think, what he, what he means by that, he doesn't give an explanation or a definition of what the distinction is between psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms. Songs. The songs, are, it's probably the book of psalms. So when the Reformation came, uh, there were certain reformers that, that they would only sing psalms from the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, they wouldn't let any other songs come about in their services of worship. Uh, but psalms are 
hymns of praise to God. He's the object of our singing. Uh, hymns are, are the same thing, psalms of praise to God. He's the object, but they're not necessarily inspired. They're not from the Bible. They're written by you and people like you and me who have studied the scriptures, who have engaged in the work of, of writing songs, and they bring it to the church, and the church takes it on to glorify God. And spiritual songs, songs that are spiritual, uh, these are oftentimes thought of more subjective. Maybe I, I write a song about my experience with God. And here's where the pronouns me, I, uh, we come in, where we express our heart to God through the experiences that we've had. So there's objective songs and there's subjective songs, so to speak, but God is always the object, even if we're inserting what we've experienced into it. He's the one who is worthy of our songs. Uh, but, but notice, as, as I said, the, the, the focus in, in singing, and, and this might not have clicked to you as well, um, but uh, when we dive into the Word, when we make the Word a part of our life, when we understand God's Word, we take it in, it becomes normalized to us, we, we understand what it's saying, we try to live it out, we confess our sins, we seek God's help, we uh, invite the Holy Spirit to fill us. Uh, it, 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 it affects us. And one of the ways that it affects us is that we are called to minister to others. Have you ever thought on Sunday mornings that one of the big ministries that you have is to speak to other people God's Word? The, the, the wild thing about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is that, as they come out is that there's people that maybe aren't singing, there's people that don't know the Lord that are sitting around you, and they're hearing you preach through your singing. This is a biblical thing. Whether it's a house church, whether it's a, a church in a grand cathedral somewhere with thousands of people, the singing is meant to be a, a, a teachable moment with all wisdom and admonishing other people. And so the songs are vehicles for God to preach through you to your neighbor in a healthy way, <laughs> right? But the, the other part of this, it's sing to God. So when we come to sing, uh, God, God wants us to sing. And, and part of that, of course, it, it, I hope you notice the voices today. One of the things we've been working on here in, in our song sets is to make sure the voices are heard. Because it kind of goes against the grain in a service like this if all you hear is the loud instruments. All you hear is the, the loud sound and, and the loud musical voices, so to speak. And you don't hear the human voices and the lyrics of the songs. So one of, our, one of our privileges we have, one of the reasons God wants us to sing, whether in this place or in other places, is that the Word of God is spread to other people. The Word of God is, is ministering to other people. The Word of God is convicting other people. It's, it's quite a deal. And you say, I can't sing. When I sing loud, people move away from me. <laughs> or if I sing at all. <laughs> but, but think about, you're not here for you in that sense. You're here for the benefit of God to glorify Him, and you're here for the benefit of other people. Sometimes we make singing so much about our consumerism. I want to sing songs that I want to sing. I want to get my preferences. I come to worship, man, I hope they sing my songs. And it's kind of like, God, I just imagine sometimes God going, oh, how, do we have to talk about this again? Now that I've saved you, now that I've served you, now that I've given my life away for you, now that, now that I've blessed you so you could be changed and transformed, now your calling as, as Christians is to serve others in my name. And that even in, entails singing. And we can sing songs that we want to on Spotify or Pandora all through the week. 
And the three or four songs may we sing on Sunday morning, it's for God and for other people. Uh, a parallel passage here that I do want to talk about a little bit more is, is Ephesians. Ephesians uh, chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I think it's in this new Bible. There it is. Okay. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 9, 18, please. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. So the, the same author and you know, same general time frame, um, he says, the Apostle Paul says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Uh, that verse is interesting because there's an analogy made between drinking wine and the Holy Spirit filling you. Uh, so uh, throughout the Scriptures, you know, alcohol is, is allowable. Uh, there's, no, there's no scripture that condemns alcohol use, but what is condemned in the Bible is getting drunk and falling out of control because of inebriation. Uh, it ends up in dissipation or debauchery, losing control. So the analogy is as, as, as wine or alcohol can move into your life and control you, allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life in a, in a, in a filling way. Now, we've already been sealed in the Spirit. We've been baptized in the Spirit. God's Spirit is already present in us, okay, but filling means to let the Spirit control you, as it were. The analogy there is let the Spirit lead you and guide you. Now, the, the distinction between alcohol usage and the Holy Spirit in our life is we don't lose control, as it were. You know, we, we don't go kind of out, out of our minds, um, and we still stay in control. But God's presence, uh, another way, I've heard people say, like, alcohol is a depressant, the Holy Spirit's a stimulant, you know, and you can go take that in, in kind of wild places, right? But uh, when, when the Holy Spirit has filled us, when this Holy Spirit is present, we don't lose control, and, and you know, we don't know what we're doing. Of course we do. But the, the, the implication, what happens? If we're, allow, if, we're call, if we're supposed to let the Spirit guide us, you know, we dwell on the Word, we live in the Word, we, we, we let the Spirit of, of God's written Scriptures inhabit us. And, and we're all, in this passage it said, let the Spirit fill you. Like there's such a close connection between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. It says we're, as we're pursuing the Word of God and we're asking God to use us for His glory, that the, the Spirit's filling comes. And what happens Verse 19, again, it's not about us. Some people say, well, I get this, you know, this, I see angels or I see, you know, great things happen. But again, the scriptures point to serving. When the Spirit of God comes, when you're filled with the, with the Word, uh, things happen that are positive for others. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always for everything God is the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for the Lord. So there's four verbs, four action things that happen in this passage. There's talking to one another, speaking to one another, there's singing, there's thankfulness, giving thanks, and there's submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. When our churches divide, when our churches split, it's obvious that the Spirit of God is not in control. People have, have gone their own way and gone their own path. Because where the Spirit of God is, there's submission to one another. There's seeking one another's benefit. There's serving one another. There's putting one another first, always, where the Spirit of God is. But, but notice again the, the, the flow here. We sing for others' benefit. We sing to God's glory, whether it's out loud or, or, or in our hearts. We, we come to God for His glory, His fame, His honor. We, we praise Him in worship and other places. 
Uh, so in my mind, when I, when I read passages like this, when I read through the whole scriptures uh, over and over again, we are people who are called to sing. Singing plays a big role in our life. It plays a big role in ministry. We are singing people. We're always meant to be a singing people. And of course, singing has a place in our services, and, and it always should. Now, there might be some times when we gather where we purposely choose not to sing to, for emphasis. May we choose to, to serve one another in another way or, or serve God in another way, and that's okay. But singing is, is normal. But l- let's address some of your questions or your, or your thoughts here. I, I know from experience that uh, some, sometimes people are very uncomfortable with singing, especially men. Especially men. In our culture, we're not taught to sing. The only ta- time we're taught to sing as men usually is, you know, at, maybe at school in some program where we're, we're messing with a kid next to us and or whatever, or, or maybe at a drunken football stadium. We, we sing, right? Um, but oftentimes, us men, we, we don't sing in other places. And so sometimes we feel awkward and kind of feel embarrassed or we feel like, oh, man, I don't know about this. And especially when, when the songs get slow. We start talking about loving Jesus. Many of the guys are like, oh, is this like a love song or something? I don't know if I want to sing this. You're really uncomfortable. Right? Uh, and, and so some people, they, they don't sing. They come to church and, man, I, I just, I, I'm never going to open my lips. I'm never going to go there. And, but if that's you, you know, because maybe you're self-conscious, maybe, maybe you're worried about people hearing your voice or you're worried about uh, troubling people with your voice, um, really start, remind yourself, um, again, of, of the purpose. Uh, it's, it's to glorify God. And so it's, it's to, to benefit others, uh, to bring, to serve others in, in song, uh, to glorify God, to make much of God. And so if, if that's something you, you struggle with, maybe a starting point is to start thinking in terms of your worship, in terms of your singing, is, is um, <clears throat> if you're uncomfortable, you, you don't usually do it, maybe you know, realign your thinking in, in this sense. Like, my singing, um, I, I don't do it to show off. I don't do it to uh, be seen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sing because um, God is worthy. And, and maybe you need to think, take some time during the week and, and, and even as you worship during the week, God is worthy because He saved me. God is worthy because He's holy. God is worthy because He's... He's infinite. God, God is worthy uh, because He's so good. You know, I think about some of the victories He's won in your life, some of the things He's helped you with, just the little things or the big things. And maybe that'll prompt you. Maybe, maybe as you come and maybe you never sung before, maybe uh, during one of the choruses, you know, you, like no one expects you to sing, but maybe you just kind of start slowly. <laughs> you can do it if it's for God's glory. If God has saved you, if God has redeemed you, if God has bought you with His blood, if, if, if He's made you yours, he's, if He's adopted you, He's given you promises, His faithful love is part of your life, give it back to Him. Sing. Um, some people really struggle in, in services like this. Sometimes us worship leaders, we get so excited about worshiping God, we're like, come on, raise your hands. Come on, raise your hands. Oh, you can do better than that. Sing louder. Right? You can do more than that kind of deal because we get so amped and we get so pumped up because God's so worthy. And I know in the San Luis Valley here, the mentality is like, you tell me what to do? 
You know it. <laughs> you know it. it. It happens. When that happens, um, please don't sing if, if, you're, if you know you're not worshiping. Please don't sing if it's not coming from the heart to God. Please don't sing because others are pressuring you to sing. Please don't be a hypocrite. If you're not a Christian, don't sing. If you're not a believer, if you don't love the Lord, don't sing. Don't let anybody put you in a corner in, in a religious show or something like that. We sing because we want to sing. We're free to sing. We want to glorify God. We want to bless others. Um, you don't, you don't, you know, sometimes, sometimes myself, when the songs say, raise your hands, I'm like, like that. Because I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to do anything that isn't authentic, Right? Uh, but, but, the, but there are times where, again, joining in with, with, the, with the choir, joining in with the people of God, it's a beautiful thing where, you, where as you start to enter in, and I don't know about this, I, I'm not sure if I can do it right. When you enter in, man, it's, it's a beautiful and wonderful thing in the presence of God, where the Spirit of God is, to join with others in song to God. He gets the glory, and other people are blessed. It's a, it's a, it's a good thing. So again, don't, don't, don't feel like you're obligated in the sense of for me to me or the, or the church. Like, oh, Elder Bob, did you see that Joe in section 3, row 5, wasn't singing? We need to rebuke him this week. No, that's, that's not the way it is. It's, uh, we've been bought, we've been brought to Jesus, and now all of our worship is response for what he's done and who he is. He's worthy. So consider singing. God wants you to sing. God wants you to join in with the angelic chorus. God wants you to start participating now with what you are going to be doing in eternity because He's worthy. And I better stop there. Please stand in the presence of the Lord with me. <clears throat> Lord God, uh, we, uh, we step back from our daily, our daily grind sometimes. We step back from the, the work week and all the things that have transpired. And we're grateful that you've called us into your presence. <clears throat> Lord, we're grateful that we could come here and meet with you and be present with you. And we thank you for your love. We thank you for your, your watch care over us. We thank you for all the ways that you've taken care of this, us this week and all the ways that you've provided for us. We thank you for our salvation. We, we thank you for... Uh, how wonderful you are in uh, letting us be in relationship with you. Lord God, uh, give us grace to serve you more. Give us grace to serve you in, in new ways. Give us grace to, to love you back in, in various ways that please you. And Lord, make us, make us as it were, a, a worship church, a church that's worshiping and glorifying you during the week. But also <clears throat> within that, Lord, let us be a church that sings to you because you're worthy. Lord, in all the elements of worship that we've talked about, we will talk about, may, may we be a church that is magnifying you um, in, to the best of our ability for your glory, for you are worthy. And at the end of the day, Lord, <laughs> you know how, how weak we are sometimes, how, how insignificant we are in our own minds, and how we've, we've uh, wrote songs about ourselves that are so negative and so, so wrong. And uh, help us catch a, a glimpse of, of our relationship with you and, and how close we are and how much you love us. And, and let us respond with worship. For you are, you are worthy, Lord. Send us out now as your worshipers into the world. And may you be glorified in all we say, all we do, all the songs we sing. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.